Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. I'm so excited to have uh, Chaplain Bob Widow with us again today. And, you know, we always start with a word of the day. And and, and I had chosen, knowing that Bob was going to be with me, I chose. I, there's a few words I have out here, but I want to go to the word integrity and, and just introduce a, uh, a verse or two in that area. And then we're going to move back to the questions and what we're going through with, with Bob and how he's talking about his time as a chaplain in the United States Air Force. And I hope that some of you that are listening, if you may be considering the chaplaincy, that you'd really pay close attention to the way Bob's uh, ministry happened. And just by way of recap, he had went through Bible college, knew that God hadn't called him uh, to be, you know, to fit that that whole a pastor, but he knew that somehow he had some ministry, got a secular job. God used somebody in the secular job to say, you'd make a great military chaplain. Some things had to come together. He worked for eight years as a pastor. So you don't have to be that 24, 25 year old person right out of seminary. Uh, talked about having to have an MDiv, a master's in divinity. I think today they've actually lowered that a little bit saying you need 70 graduate credits. And, but I, That's always, right. I always think it's a good idea to get an MDiv. I, I did along the way. Um, and, uh, it's always a great thing to be working in the ministry. Maybe while you're in the seminary, you know, getting ministry experience. Uh, I know on the army side of the house, a friend of mine wanted to be a chaplain not too long ago and they wanted for active duty. They wanted to see three years working uh, as a paid member somewhere of a church, you know, as an assistant pastor, youth pastor, whatever pastor, whatever it fit in. So I'm not sure how all that works out for each branch, but I do know that the road, uh, you know, a call to be a chaplain is a call to prepare. And uh, we can certainly help you how to do that. Now, uh, Bob, we were all over the place and, and uh, with what was going on. And we, we got you, I think you're down at, was it Toby Moffitt? Am I saying that right? Davis Mountain, Davis Mountain Air Force Base in Tucson, and, and uh, you're a chaplain in down there, and you're a single dad. And how is all that working out for you down there, brother? Well, it was a stressful time. I mean, honestly, anytime you're a single parent in the military, um, there, there's a lot of uh, difficulties. And I was fortunate that the Air Force chose not to deploy me at that point because I'm not sure what I would have done with two kids, but. I got down to Little Rock and found a wonderful community of believers. The Navigators had a very strong ministry there at Davis Month, and a lot of young airmen involved. I got involved with the lives of young airmen very much and um, thoroughly enjoyed our ministry there. I was pastoring two congregations on base of active duty persons. It was during this time that I met my wife, Diane, and um, we'd actually met at Wright-Patterson, but we started to communicate back and forth by email and uh, came to believe that God was calling us into a marriage relationship. And so after two years at Davis month and we were married in uh, 2000. So that was a wonderful thing. And Diane has just been a terrific blessing to our ministry and what God is doing. And uh, so we, we had a great time at Davis month. And, and I was delighted that, that when I left the uh, uh, Davis month, uh, that I left with a, with a helpmate. 
Oh, that's wonderful. And, and brother, if you don't mind us dissecting this a little bit, I have so many folks on this uh, broadcast that are, you know, looking for a spouse or uh, widowed, widows, things of that nature in a position. How does Christian dating work? I mean, in your case, you, you had, I guess you had met uh, Diane there. Yeah. And so for you, you guys were you knew that you were of the same faith. You're both evangelical Christians. She had been a mission. I mean, uh, brother, you just, you hit a home run there, but how does somebody, well, I really did. how does somebody go about that? How, how does that happen? You know, I, for me, it was clear that, that I wanted to marry somebody who was like precious faith. As a matter of fact, my late wife, Donnie, and I talked about this when we knew the end was getting near. And, and she encouraged me and said, you know, I want you to remarry. I want you to meet somebody who loves the Lord, who can walk with you and help raise the kids. And, and um, you know, finding the right person was a matter of prayer. I, if somebody were actively looking for a spouse, I think the two things I would say is look, spend a lot of time in prayer and contemplation and asking yourself what what kind of spouse do you, what are the priorities? What, what are you looking for in a spouse? And secondly, I'd spend time at church or Christian groups, Bible studies, where you're going to rub shoulders with people who are going to meet that, uh, the, the, those qualifications. You're probably not going to meet a, a wonderful future spouse uh, if, if you're not involved in some kind of church activity where you're going to meet people like that. Um, yeah. It's, God has a way of bringing people around, but we have to do our part too. And, and I'm very thankful for the wife that God has given to me. And I'm very thankful too. I can't wait to meet her. And, and now, now Bob, what was the thing was there that showed you? I mean, what was the thing that made it real to you that, boy, this lady, I'm madly in love. I want to marry her. What was those switches? If you don't mind, if you, if those clues, I mean, did God just put it on your heart where, uh, nothing else. I mean, how, how does that work? How did that work? I, I did not have a, you know, um, love at first sight kind of an experience with Diana. Like I mentioned, we'd, we'd met in Ohio. We'd gone out for coffee and dinner a couple of times. We, we knew each other. We kind of got to know each other's background. At one point when I was there in Arizona, we decided that she would come out to Arizona for a little bit and um, she stayed with a, another chaplain friend of mine at his house, and we spent a lot of time together and prayed about our future together. I think when I saw how well she interacted with my kids, and uh, they loved her, they thought she was just wonderful, and, and she is. She, she is a homemaker who loves to cook and who loves to uh, just, just make a great home. And I saw that, and I thought, you know, this is exactly the kind of person that, that uh, I, I want to marry that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And once I, once I got over the initial grief of losing Donna and recognizing that I had to move on with my life, marrying Diane was really a no brainer. She was just exactly the kind of wife that I would want to have. And uh, yeah. it took a little doing and, and, you know, the grief had to be worked through, but, but once it did, and I knew Diane, it, it was, it was clear that this was the direction that God had for us. Yeah. And, and I think folks, you know, there's a good message here from Bob and, 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 you know, a really a very clear, wonderful message is uh, don't give up. 
you know, God's got something for you and, and it's big and it's great. And, uh, you know, this is a wonderful thing. This is, this is somebody who comes into your life. You know, we're all looking for that earth tremor and moment. And remember, sometimes God speaks to us in those still small voices. And sometimes God brings the most wonderful people into our life in such a great way where we can't mistake it. And it sounds like that's what happened with Diane. So, you know, there's good news for you and, uh, uh just do what you're doing and God's going to set you in one direction or another, and it's going to be okay. And in Bob's case, uh, that big, wonderful time came in his life. And, uh, I'm so thankful for that. Now, brother, I, if, if I could interject there for just one second, Doug, one of the sayings that we have in the air force is it's better to be on the ground wishing you were in the air <laughs> than in the air wishing you were on the ground. And, and I've told a lot of couples that uh, in premarital counseling, too. You know, it's better to be single wishing you were married than married wishing you were single. So I, I really encourage people, take your time. Don't, don't rush into things. You know, it's marrying the wrong person or for the wrong reasons can be devastating. And I've, I've tried to patch people together who, who are in marriages that probably should never have happened before. And I'd encourage you. Just take your time. Don't hurry into this decision. Exactly. And, and you know, brother, it, I'm laughing over here because I've used that expression in every book that I've written. And every, I use it on the <laughs> podcast, all, not the Air Force one, but yet I'd rather be single wanting to be married than married wanting to be single. And what a wonderful, I love the Air Force. I, I'd rather be on the ground wanting to be in the air than be in the air wanting to be on the ground. That just, brother, that's that's. That's a wonderful parable of life right there. And Absolutely. Yeah. So, brother, just a couple minutes before we go to commercial for our broadcast partners here, but just to start off with grief, help us with that, brother. What? A, I know this is a hard question, and so many people, I, I have people listening right now. I know of five, uh, there's f at least five families listening right now that have just lost, uh, name it, son, husband, wife. Uh, two kids. Wow. Uh, where does grief start? How, if you can offer any advice on that, I know it's kind of maybe different for everybody, but just your journey. So uh, in the midst of my wife's illness, my brother who was married, um, they had a baby. And the day after the baby was born, his wife had a massive brain hemorrhage and died almost oh. instantly. And I remember talking to my brother and looking at the fact that I was struggling with Donna for nine years while she was ill and, and ultimately died. And Bill, my, my brother, uh, he lost his wife instantly. And it dawned on me that for me, by the time I lost Donna, I had been through some of the stages of grief because I knew, you know, what was coming. I anticipated I was able to prepare myself. For my brother, though, it was instantaneous, and he had to start right from scratch and go through the stages of grief. There's, there's various stages people go through right. in grief, and uh, so I think circumstances dictate uh, someone who loses a loved one uh, just out of the blue. All of a sudden, boom, they're gone. It's a different dynamic than somebody who loses a spouse or a loved one over the course of several years. I think for me, by the time Donna died, I was ready to move on. You know, it had been nine years, and uh, I grieved greatly because of the loss of Donna, because I loved her deeply. But in some ways, I was prepared for it by then. And uh, I, I think the grief, you just have to take time and let the grief do its work. 
don't hurry things because it just it's it's a slow process of healing. It really is. Hey, uh, uh, let me let me hold you right there, brother. We got to do the, what the broadcast need. We'll be right back. Sure. All right, folks, we're right back with you and uh uh, so, brother, just uh, again, not to take away, you were just finishing up how those many years, I think, you know, just a week ago or just on last week's uh, broadcast, we uh-huh. we talked about, you know, biblical looking at denial, anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance. And so I guess and not, I know grief looks different for everybody. And we were, you know, I guess the part of denial uh, you that you had dealt with over the years. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, so if you could finish where you want to go from there, uh, brother, I, I didn't, sorry to cut you off, but we get to that. Oh, no, no, window. no. Um, yeah. I, I remember clearly one day, uh, early in the morning, I'd gotten up early and read my Bible and, and, and got the kids ready for school. And I, I took a shower and, and in the midst of it, I was thinking, this is what I need to do today. And I was listing it out in my head. And I thought to myself, you know, I've not done this in months. Since Donna died, I've not had an occasion where I'm planning my day out. I, I, I was used to just going minute to minute, day by day. And it felt like the Lord saying, welcome back. Uh, you, you've gone through the stages of grief, and now you're, you're moving forward. And it was, it was a wonderful thing to think that the healing was slowly but surely beginning to take place. And I think that healing is a gift from God. I really do. I think he's the one who helps you put the pieces together and move on with your life. Yeah, brother, I just want to go uh, backwards, too, and ask you a question about your brother and how he's doing, uh, you know, with his terrible situation. Did, and was that before? You, it was before Donna died. It was while Donna was sick. Um, yeah, so he's doing well. The, again, this has been 30 years ago. So the yeah. baby who was born is now married and living in Europe. And <laughs> <laughs> so it, um, life goes on and life gets better. And I think if I could encourage your, your listeners in one word, it's this life gets better. And I, I've dealt with so many soldiers and airmen who were suicidal, and I think that's the message that we have to footstop over and over again, is no matter how difficult life is and how hopeless life seems, invariably life gets better. And um, that's a, a message of hope that comes right from the scriptures, and yeah. I want to encourage you to remember that you're at the low point now, you're at the bottom of the valley, but it's going to get better. It is going to get better. Yeah, I always would tell soldiers, you know, this is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Just coming off of what you had just mentioned, um, you know, these problems come up. I remember I was at Fort Benning, Georgia, in the middle of the infantry school down there. And, uh, boy, uh, you know, there's more Dear John letters than you can shake a stick at at Fort Benning, Georgia. And uh, I remember that. So if you could, brother, just talking about going back to being a chaplain, and thank you for being so transparent uh, with your grief and uh, uh, your marriage and, and just all these wonderful things. And uh, brother, what was the hardest facet uh, of being a, an air force chaplain? 
I, I think the hardest facet is the deployments when you leave your family behind for, for months and months at a time. And um, some of the times when I deployed were pretty pivotal times in our family's lives. Our daughter was in college and I went off to um, Bahrain, I think I was, for uh, five months. And just seeing her as a freshman in college, and she was struggling with adjustments. I think that's the hard thing is you're leaving the family behind. Um, I would say that's the hardest part of being a chaplain. The dealing with other chaplains with theological issues is, is very easy. That's, that's not very easy, but it's, it's, it's simpler compared to leaving your family behind. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you're, I, I guess, working with the airmen, the soldiers, um, I, I, it's a constant thing. It sounds like, uh, uh, maybe chaplains are on call or something like that? Is that a continuous thing that's going on with you guys? That Yes. So chaplains, typically what will happen is you'll be at a staff. With the Air Force, our staffs tend to be smaller, typically four or five chaplains. I know with the Army, it tends to be 30 or 40 chaplains, but that's not the case with the Air Force. And somebody would always be the duty chaplain. So if there's a crisis in the middle of the night, a death notification or a death on base or a counseling crisis in the middle of the night, you have somebody who's a duty chaplain, and they'll get a phone call, and they're and they're they're uh, available. That you have a chaplain available twenty four seven for crises like that. And um, so I've I've been duty chaplain. I don't know how many hundreds hundreds of times. And, and you know, it's opportunity for ministry. Sometimes you get opportunity to minister in ways you never would. Um, but that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's a great thing. So uh, this marriage counseling piece, brother, uh, you knew I had to transition to that for the last few <laughs> minutes today. Uh, advice on marriage counseling and uh, advice on marriage. I mean, you've counseled so many. We we have your story and so thankful God provided you with two exceptional godly women. But you get these people who are obviously in the Air Force and wow, what advice do you give to these folks? You know, I, I've heard so many guys and women who have said, you know, I married the wrong person. I need to divorce. I need to move on. I need to marry somebody else. Uh, theologically, I believe that when you marry somebody, it is now God's will for you to remain married and to continue to work on that marriage. And uh, I, I, I think that that's, that's bedrock. You, you, so I, I would say Find ways to build relationship with your spouse. Spend time with them. Go and do things with them. Tell them how important they are to you. Act in a loving way towards your spouse. You might not feel it right now, but the feeling will come. But you've got to act in a loving way and care for uh, that spouse of yours. I was very privileged to have spent a year and a half at Fort Benning going to the Army Family Life Program. I was the first chaplain to go through the Army Family Life Program and get a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. And that was a really eye-opening and wonderful time. I spent a year and a half with five wonderful Army chaplains who I got to know very well. We still keep up with each other. Uh, one has died, but the other four we've kept up with. And just focusing on what does it take to make a godly, strong, permanent marriage and spending time together and spending time uh, working on your marriage or helping with the kids. James Dobson once said, 
the best thing a man can do for his children is to love their mother. And I, I, I think that that's absolutely correct. I do too. And, and just quickly as we wind down, brother, then you have those ones that someone takes off. There's no reconciliation and uh, life's upside down. What would you say to those who are just hurting? You know, they, they've had the abusing people in their life. They've had uh, deserting people in their life. Uh, what, what comfort uh, would you say to those folks? I know you've met plenty of those as well. No matter what the relationships are like with people around you, always, always remember that there is a God who loves you. That at the end of the day, no matter what other people do to you or say to you or how they treat you, you can have that loving relationship with Jesus Christ, and he will never leave you, and he will never abuse you. Nobody should have to stay in an abusive relationship. That's just not, uh, that's not doable. But, but God loves you, and he will continue to love you. Yeah, that's, that's great information, and that's a, that's a great thing for all of us to remember. God loves us. And, uh, That's he, right. you know, he, he knows the turns that we've made wrong. He knows the places we've been that are wrong. He, he knows the things that we have done that are wrong. And, uh, he knows the people who have wronged us. God knows all that. And he still loves us and he still provides yes, he does. his son, Jesus Christ as our Lord and savior. He still provides the Holy spirit of God. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and savior, and boy, it's been great the last couple of days, Bob. And, uh, again, your name around here speaks of grace and integrity. Well, and, and, um, I just want to publicly one more time as we come to a close and say, you changed our lives. God used you greatly. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure and it's been an honor to serve. Yeah. Folks, listen, if we can do anything to help you, make sure you find us out there at the Helpful Wounded Spirits Facebook page. Drop me a note at Doug at WoundedSpirits.com. We sure do love you folks. And remember, when you go out today, wear that smile that only God can give you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth, and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.